Hi, everyone, and welcome to Matrimony's Master Debaters. My name is Danielle, and I co-host this podcast with my husband, Ian. A large portion of each episode is Ian and I discussing a very wide variety of topics, including getting real raw and raunchy in regards to our marriage and intimacy. And with any topic we discuss, we try to mix my attitude problem, which by the way, I'm trying to work on, with Ian and I's sense of humor. We're hoping it's not too cringy. However, we also discuss with all honesty, topics such as parenthood, our parent fails, family, anxiety, depression, career, sobriety, and our life and lifestyle in general. And hey, thank you for listening. We appreciate you and we love your face. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Clutter Coordinator Podcast and thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. In today's episode, I got a lot that I want to discuss, and because of that, I am going to skip any quote, tip, or mom fail, but I promise on Thursday's episode, because I air new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m., and today I may be airing this one a little bit later. I'm a little bit behind today because I have a special guest that I'm going to introduce in just a second, but I promise on Thursday's episode, I am not going to bring up one mom fail, but two of my mom fails. I got plenty of them. So I'm also going to bring up a couple of really good tips to help you stay organized. So that'll be on Thursday. The last half of this episode will just be me and I will be discussing what a professional organizer actually does. What is a professional organizer? Is it something you can make a career out of? Is it something you can get certified in? Is it a real thing? Yes, it is. It's a real thing. I promise. I got asked a question a couple of months ago that made me really want to discuss this. And I'm going to elaborate a lot more later on in the episode. So I will be talking about that because I do feel it's important because I am a certified organizational specialist. (laughs) So that'll be the last half of the episode. Now, I may have to make this episode explicit. I'm not sure how this is going to go. So just forewarning that it may be explicit. The first half of the episode, I'm going to be talking about an article that I read. And I wanted to talk about this article because there was an incident that happened. Before, before I really get in, though, I first want to introduce my husband. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Danielle's husband, Ian. Uh, she asked me to come on the episode, give a perspective of a man. <laughs> of a um, man. <laughs> for all the 3% of men who possibly could listen to this, I guess. Uh, there might be more than 3%. I got your back. All right, guys. So, <laughs> so okay. There's a, there's a good reason why I wanted to bring my husband on because I feel like I did say, you know, in past episodes that I was going to bring my husband on as my first guest, you know, number one, we are quarantining. It's not like I can bring clients on. I mean, I suppose I could, but I'd have to do it virtually and I'm not very tech savvy, but I did want to bring him on and I knew eventually I would do it in the near future. And for this specific episode, I felt like it was really important. So a couple of days ago, I I woke up a little bit after Ian 
got, you know, left for work. And usually I wake up around the same time he does, or I wake up a little bit after he leaves. This particular morning, I woke up a little bit after he left and I went into the kitchen to get my morning cup of coffee. As I was walking into the kitchen, I noticed that there was garbage on the floor. As I walked around the corner and went into the middle of the kitchen, there was more garbage all over the floor. So at this point, I was really ticked because first of all, it interrupted my morning routine. Second of all, I had just mopped the day before. So I had to put on my rubber gloves, pick up the gross, disgusting garbage. I had to mop again and sanitize it because what had happened was my dog got into it. So the night before I had asked my husband to please take the garbage out. I even took it out of the can. I tied it up. I put it next to the door, the mudroom door, which is connected to our kitchen. And I asked him, how did I ask you? It was really, really nice and sweet. Remember? <laughs> remember? I yeah, gave, super nice and sweet. Remember, guys. I gave you hugs and kisses. And Hug, called, yeah, there you go. I called you all sorts of sweet names <laughs> to please take it out. And you said, yes, yes, dear, I will. And he didn't. He did not. So my dog is very smart and went through the garbage during the night. If we leave the garbage sitting out or we leave the lid off of the garbage can, the dog will get into it and she will destroy it. So um, I'm thinking one of two things happened. Um, number one, you work a lot. Yeah. You work a lot of hours, grueling hours. You're sometimes, what, working six, seven days out of the week. You were, you're on call 24 hours out of the day. He is an essential worker. So I'm thinking, what, you had an emergency phone call or was this just a regular morning where you just left? Um, yeah, you just left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I just completely forgot. Yeah. So that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. Um, he tries to get every minute of sleep that he can because he doesn't know, you know, really honestly how much sleep he's going to get in a day because he doesn't know if he's going to get a phone call. So he usually allows himself like 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes tops to get up, get dressed, brush his teeth, grab a cup of coffee, run out the door. Knowing that he's seen the garbage on the floor, all over the floor, he knew I would pick it up. And he knows I'm anal retentive too. But I mean, honestly, that's not really being anal retentive. It's garbage all over the floor. <laughs> so because of this, I wanted to research this more. I wanted to look into who really does the chores in the household. You know, who who's, who's the main person? And to be honest with you, I kind of knew the answer but I read a lot of articles and they basically all said pretty similar things to this. Now, obviously there's other perspectives on this and this article is not going to apply to everybody. You know, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to be able to relate to this. But the reason why I chose this article is because I definitely relate to this. The last time I researched an article on chores, specifically chores, was about a year ago. And honestly, I don't remember the name of the title of the article. I don't remember the writer's name. I know it was a female. This had to have been a year ago or so. And I know I should give credit to where, you know, where credit's due, but I honestly did forget. But in a nutshell, she basically said, if your husband doesn't pull his weight and helps you with chores, 
divorce him. <laughs> Should I just divorce you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought it was pretty harsh. Like I thought that was, you know, going way too far one way, you know, maybe um, counseling or therapy before, you know, divorce. I thought that was kind of harsh. So this isn't like that. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I love, I really do enjoy listening to other podcasts of other moms and wives, you know, giving advice or just venting. I like reading books and articles on, you know, motherhood and marriage. I mean, I am a mom. I am a wife. I like to read and listen to things of that nature. But um, specifically, this article is just about chores. So the name of the article is called Who's Cleaning the House? And you can find this article on psychologytoday.com. The authors of this article is, and I sincerely apologize if I am butchering this name. I, I, I have a feeling like I've, I'm, well, I butcher names. Um, first guy, and these are two males, uh, Rob Pascal and Lou Primavera. So they both have PhDs, so they know what they're talking about. They're experts. They got big brains. Um, Rob Pascal is a research psychologist and Lou Primavera is the Dean of the School of Health Sciences at Truro College, T-O-U-R-O, but they're both the authors of the book, Making Marriage Work. So they wrote this article. Now this is a, this is not a new article. This is somewhat of an older article. I I think they posted it September 19th, 2017, um, and I would have read the whole article, but I, I I knew I wanted my husband on here and I didn't want to waste time. So basically what I did is I took things out of the article and I'm kind of paraphrasing, like not all of this is word for word. Um, I kind of wrote down what I interpreted it to be, interpreted, interpret, Interp- interpreted. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Um, There's your butchering words right there. So. Yeah, I know. Um Okay, so yeah, I just took key points or things that I thought really resonated with me, uh, and that's what I'm going to go through. So should I just go through all of it and then put my two cents in, we, we talk about it, or should I just go through each point and then we talk about each point? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to read through it, and then we'll talk about it. All right. So, because I wanted, I wanted him on here. I wanted my husband on here because I want to hear what he has to say about this. You know, get a man's perspective on this, not just from a woman's perspective. But before I go through this, I do want to say that a lot of the other articles that I read are pretty similar to this, like at least the ones that I was finding. So the first thing, I'll go through the key points that I took out. And please know, I want to put this out here. I don't, we don't have, uh, we're not MDs. We're not experts. (laughs) We're not psychologists or therapists by any means. Um, This is just our opinions, our personal experiences. So please take everything we say with a grain of salt because we're not experts. (laughs) Um, Okay. The first one is the extent to which partners treat it as a shared responsibility can affect how they think and feel about each other. Next point of view Women, it is assumed to do chores, whereas men, it's optional. 
So they're saying that the majority or a lot of people, uh, it's looked at that it's the woman's responsibility. It's assumed that they do the chores and for men, it's just optional. Um, another, uh, key point is men see it as helping their wives, not as a responsibility. Is that funny? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Definitely guilty of that. Okay. Oh, that's why you were laughing. Uh, something that I found that was interesting, uh, it says some studies suggest that women have almost three times the workload than the husband, which I thought was interesting. And I'm going to get back to that. Um, let's see here. Ha okay. So they bring up uh, our upbringing that our upbringing, I guess the best way to describe it is that we're brought up with gender roles. Like, for example, I think your side of the family would say that men were brought up to be the breadwinners and women were brought up to be the caretakers and, yeah. the, and the homemakers. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. And it did, it did say in the article that both genders play into the stereotype of the gender roles. Uh, another key point, women see the home as their territory and the home reflects them. This one really hit home with me. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to get back to that one. Another one is it comes down to what is fair. However, men and women define fair as different men look at the total picture. So for example, men look at how much money they make, how many hours they worked, what masculine, so-called masculine chores they've done. So masculine chores is like lawn work, like mowing the lawn, doing maintenance around the house, doing mechanical work, stuff like that. They believe that to be masculine roles and those are okay. Those are okay chores to do. Whereas women just look at what chores she's doing and what chores he's doing or lack of, and that's how they define what's fair. Women look at what, oh, sorry, I already said that one. Um, another key point, many husbands look at half of the housework as being unfair. And I got three more. Uh, another one is a lot of wives view their husbands doing housework as them showing love and appreciation. But if they are overburdened with chores, wives may feel taken for granted. Another key point, some working women who are also doing the majority of housework may start to feel overwhelmed, depressed, and resentful. Another key point, many may not lead to divorce, but can have serious emotional strain on a marriage. And I saved the best one for last. So I did not write this one down. I did want to read this directly out of the article because I thought this one was pretty good. It says in the article that when they do something, they see it as helping out their wives and being a good husband, but don't regard it as their actual responsibility. Instead, they often expect what they do to be noticed and praiseworthy and sometimes a basis for negotiating other goods and services from their wives. I love how they say goods in services, like it's a trade or something, when we know exactly what they're they're thinking. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> when I see my husband doing dishes, because my husband hates, hates doing dishes, he despises it. 
When I see him scrubbing a pan, I know exactly what he's thinking. I try not to make eye contact with him because I know that he'll look at me and give me like this, you know, dirty, nasty grin. And all he's saying, I mean, and the harder he works on that pan, the more I know what he wants. You, you dirty old man. <laughs> I know what he's thinking. You know I'm right. Yeah. 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 When I ask you to do chores, what do you, what do you think? I know. Why do you do it? For that exact reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we have two young kids running around, so I can't quite, you know, say what I mean. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's my secret way of hinting towards goods and services. <laughs> goods and services, quote, goods and services. I love how they put that. Um, yeah, I know that. I know that when he's doing chores, I know exactly why he's doing it. It's funny how uh, you don't know how to work a vacuum cleaner most days, but uh, when you want some goods and services, you got that plugged in right away and vacuuming the whole damn house. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a couple of things that I wanted to... I wanted to point out right away because some of these really like just struck a nerve with me. Um, I would say the first thing being that some studies suggest that women have almost three times the workload than a husband, than their husband. Now, again, I think that I think in certain situations, again, this doesn't apply because, you know, we're all weathering a similar storm, but we're all, you know, we're not all floating in the same boat. So I think that, and in the article, they also stated that, you know, times are changing. This isn't like the 1950s anymore where, you know, we're made to be brought up to think that men are the breadwinners period and women are the caregivers and the homemakers, you know? Uh, it did say in the article that men are doing more chores around the house. In fact, there's a lot of men that are stay-at-home dads now where moms are the, the breadwinners. So, I mean, things are changing, but you do see, you, you do still see in society that it's, it's pretty, you know, prevalent that men are still looked at as the breadwinners and women are still assumed to be the homemakers and to do the majority of the chores. So I remember a time when I was working full time and you were gone sometimes weeks at a time. That was like in the beginning of our marriage where you were really trying to um, progress in your career. And it was kind of like sacrifices that we had to make. And he was gone and I was working and I had two small children that I was taking care of. I was doing all of the housework and yeah, it felt like I was, I felt like I was working, you know, three jobs and trust me, there were plenty of times where I was on my bathroom floor crying. Now, did I stay on the bathroom floor? No, I had my moment. I picked myself up. I dusted myself off and I did what I had to do, but it was really hard. And I don't think I ever voiced what I really wanted from you because at the same time it was like, yeah, I'm breaking down 
and I want to get into the fetal position somewhere and rock myself back and forth. But I, I didn't say anything because I felt like I would feel guilty if I did because you were working so much. Yeah. But I think that, you know, when you're a, you know, somewhat newly married couple, especially we were new parents. Um, it's hard to balance that. And I think we, we argued a lot more back then. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really, we, you know, when you're yelling at someone, like you're just yelling, you're not really listening to that person. We never really sat down and had like, Oh, I mean, it's not like we were fighting every single day, but you know, there were arguments. We were not on the same page and you can't tell me you didn't think that that was my duty. Uh, my job was to do that. Like it was optional for you. <laughs> I, you know, I guess even like subconsciously, I just, you know, try to say that I wouldn't want to think that way, but I guess growing up how I grew up and, uh, subconsciously, yeah, I guess I just assume that that was the woman's role. Yeah. yeah. So. so there's a lot more that we want to discuss um, in regards to this article. We actually want to go a little bit further into our relationship as well and kind of talk about time periods in our life that, you know, there was conflict. And, you know, like I said, it's not like we were fighting every single day and there was conflict all the time. But things for a while now, a long while, have been really, really good. And there's good reason for that. So I want to talk more about that. I'm going to bring... I'm going to bring my husband back on the episode on Thursday. So he will be on the first half of the episode on Thursday and we'll get back into this and kind of finish up and wrap up this article. So is that good? Yeah, I'm good with that. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah. uh, I guess I'll see you guys on Thursday. Awesome. Um, Yay. So looking forward to this. I cannot not promise that it may not get a little interesting (laughs) all right all right yes dad's done all right uh next up i'm gonna talk about we just keep dropping stuff um what it is a professional organizer actually does okay we're back on to the second half of the episode i took quite a i took a hot minute of a break So I'm not drinking the Red Bull anymore. I'm drinking the coffee, which I know is not good to be drinking that much caffeine. I'm just barely making it over here. So just trying to push through the day. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about what it is a professional organizer actually does. What is it? Is it a real thing? Can you get certified in it? Can you make a career out of it? And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because a couple months ago, I got asked a question and I'm not going to you know, name who this person was, but this person asked me, you know, what do you do for a living? And I replied and said, I'm a professional organizer in which this person replied and said, that sounds like a made up thing. Now I was taken back already and I didn't know how quite to respond to that. But my response was, yup, it's a real thing. You can get certified in it. I'm a certified organizational specialist. And I said it just like that. And in which this person replied and said, you can get certified in something like that. Question mark. Yep. Yep. I'm certified and it's a real thing. I mean, all of a sudden, like my demeanor just kind of went down. I was like, oh, was I offended? You betcha. 
You bet you I was offended. No, I was not offended. I'm just kidding. I was not offended. It was a legitimate question. This person had never heard of a professional organizer, had no idea what it was, had never heard of it. And I'm sure that there are people out there that have not heard of it. In the grand scheme of professions, professional organizing is a relatively new profession. It's not as popular. In fact, if you type in or Google, I like saying Google, the uh, you know when professional organizing started, it should pop up and say it started in Los Angeles in 1984 as an industry. And I didn't say this. The interweb said this, not me. So in my personal opinion, and again, this may be a fact, I truly believe that Marie Kondo and her method, the KonMari method, is what put professional organizing on the map. I, I truly believe that because I think that there's been other professional organizers out there who have definitely helped this to grow in popularity. But I personally think that Marie Kondo is uh, huge, hugely responsible for um, making it very well known. I mean, it's massively more popular because of her. And again, like I said in the last episode, I, I highly recommend watching her Netflix series. It's very addicting to watch. It's a great series. Um, and, you know, I recommend reading her books. So I think that now it's, you know, people are starting to really, you know, hear about professional organizing and it's really a profession. Now, I started this business. It's a relatively new business. And I was actually quite shocked on how quickly it grew because I honestly be thought that I wasn't sure if I was going to make anything out of this. I was very skeptical of myself, but I have, you know, that problem of self-doubt and being self-conscious about taking a risk like that. And I honestly was not sure what was going to come out of this because I knew that, you know, there were, I'm sure a lot of people out there that really don't know what it is. I was really pleasantly surprised on how quickly uh, I built a clientele and a lot of it was word of mouth. So I, I mean, obviously very, very excited about that. I was really happy about that. Um, and I was very, I, I felt so complimented because I word of mouth spread so quickly and it just reassured me that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, that people actually really do like what I'm doing and I'm making a difference and helping someone's better their life, better their living situation. So what is it that it is? What, what exactly is a professional organizer? Well, I create order where it's lacking. And before really diving into it, I did want to say that, yes, I, I am certified. I did get certified. Um, my official title is Certified Organizational Specialist, which I think is just another fancy term. It's probably not fancy, but another term for a professional organizer. Um, I wanted to get certified because I wanted, I knew I, want, I was good at what I was doing, but I wanted to be great at what I was doing. I wanted to make sure that I was an, an expert in all areas of organizing because it is a lot more than just putting things in bins and baskets and labeling things and color coordinating things. It's a lot more than just organizing a closet or a pantry. There is a lot of feelings and emotions involved. And there is a lot of time and energy spent into doing this process because it is a process and you have to be 
as a professional organizer, very patient and understanding um, because it can be a long drawn out process. And I try not to let it get too long, especially when you're, you know, going into the purging process. Once you've done, once you're done sorting and you get into the purging process, um, that is the hardest process to go through when getting organized. And sometimes we get stuck in the purging process. Um, so it really does depend on the individual on how willing they are to let their items go. You know, everybody holds attachment to their items differently. Some have more sentimental attachment to more items. Some hold really great emotional attachment to all of their items or a majority of their items, which makes the process a lot longer. Some it's just certain things, like it's just certain items. You know, for me personally, it's sentimental items like my kids' artwork or birthday and Christmas cards that they receive. I tend to hold a lot of that stuff and keep a lot of that stuff. And I have uh, I have a solution for anyone out there that is holding items like that uh, and it's starting to really accumulate and clutter up a drawer or a cabinet or a closet. What I do is I take pictures of those items then remove the items. I recycle the items, but I take pictures of them and I create scrapbooks and photo albums. So it's not taking up as much space. I don't necessarily agree in, in removing all, you know, trying to push my clients to removing all sentimental items or a majority of them, because I feel like, I feel like sometimes that can backfire where they'll end up having feelings of regret that they let it go and resentment towards me for me pushing that to go. So you have to be very careful in the fact that you're going into someone's private area. Your home is a very private setting, very private. So people are very hesitant about letting someone into their home. And a lot of times that's a big reason why people won't hire a professional organizer because they, you know, it is a, it's personal. It's very private. You're allowing a stranger to come into your home and touch all of your stuff. I mean, that's, that's a big step. So it is being very understanding and very patient and meeting their needs by listening to them and really asking them questions. I mean, you're really becoming a friend and talking them through all of these emotions and feelings that they're going through. And they go through different emotions and feelings while going through the process. You know, a lot of times my clients are calling me because they're at the end. They don't know what to do. Like they, they're at a breaking point is what I mean to say. They're at a breaking point. They're feeling stressed. They're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling frustrated. Sometimes they're feeling anxiety and sometimes depression over the living situation that they're in. Because when you're looking at a large amount of clutter, an accumulated amount of clutter, and you're looking at that day in and day out, and it's very disorganized, you know, whether it's rooms or your whole house, um, it, it can cause not only, you know, it can cause you to feel cluttered in the mind when you're looking at a lot of clutter. It can really stress you out and, and cause feelings of anxiety when you're looking at that much stuff because you know that it's just going to keep, you know, it's just going to stay there if you don't go through it or it's going to continue to accumulate. And now, you know, maybe you're having a hard time navigating through the home because it's getting to that point. So when my clients are calling me, they're feeling a lot of very strong emotions. And a lot of times it's negative. You know, it is those, those negative feelings. I had stated this in a previous episode that, you know, some of us believe that 
disorganization stems from laziness or it should be a common sense thing, which are, you know, misconceptions to being disorganized for the most part. Um, my clients, when they hear that from family members or friends or whoever they're hearing it from, maybe the media, um, that really takes a dig at their confidence. So not only, you know, are they feeling stressed out and frustrated about their current living situation, they also have this lack of confidence. And without that confidence, there's either little or no motivation. So they're feeling a lack of confidence. They're feeling stressed. They're feeling anxious and frustrated. They're also feeling very hesitant and anxious about letting a stranger into their home and go through all their stuff and see their, 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 you know, home, which is a very private place. So there's a lot of feelings and emotions going on when you're get, going through that process of getting organized with the professional organizer. And as a professional organizer, you know, I have to be my client's biggest cheerleader. I got to, I got to get that confidence back so I can get them motivated to want to do it. And sometimes it really is about being very understanding and patient and asking questions and really just listening to them and being there for them. Because like I said, the misconceptions of disorganization stemming from being lazy or it should be a common sense thing, when reality, a lot of times, it's because they've gone through a traumatic life experience or event. I mean, I have clients of mine who have gone through a divorce. I've had clients of mine who have lost loved ones. That a lot of times has the, that, that is the biggest reason for the disorganization. And again, it could be a big life change. It could be the birth of a child, expanding your family, a move, a career change. Big life changes and events can definitely off-balance how we organize. So there's a lot that is usually going on. And as a professional organizer, again, it's more than just organizing. You have to be able to handle and manage properly how to guide them and navigate them through this process in a, in a very specific way, because there's a wide variety of feelings and emotions that are also involved. So I kind of look at it as like, I'm, I'm their cheerleader. Then, you know, once we, you know, get to know each other, cause I like to do a free consultation first, just to look at the area and items, whether that's in home or in business, um, then I like to see and evaluate what organizing materials they need, if any, because a lot of times we already have all the organizing material that we need. Uh, it's just packed full of stuff and we need to go through it and purge it and uh, put replace those items with things that you actually want to keep that you're actually going to use, which, you know, is another thing. We have to go through the questions on every single item. You know, and that's why my clients need to be present because I need them there to tell me what they want to donate, what they want to keep, what they want to sell, what they want to, you know, trash or recycle. I need to know that. So we're going through every single item. So again, it, it, it can be a tedious, long process, but having them ask the questions, because a lot of times in the purging process, you, you tend to get stuck. And that's why I don't recommend going through sentimental items first, because you tend to go through it. And we, you kind of lose track of what's priority and that's really getting areas declutter, which by the way, I start with the bedroom first because that should be an area that is very calm 
and relaxing so you can sleep and get a full night's rest because that's very important. And when it is proven that if your you know, bedroom is very disorganized and you have a lot of clutter, you tend to have a harder time falling asleep and staying asleep. So I tend to go to that room first, but I'm while I'm going and I go item to item in that room, I'll start with clothing first. Cause that's usually the biggest item, you know, in our bedrooms. And I'll have to ask the hard questions because sometimes even at the beginning of the purging process, they'll get stuck and they'll think about something. Then you got to ask, is this something that you love? As Marie Kondo would say, does it spark joy? Um, is it something that you just kind of like? Is it something that you want? Is it something that you need? Is it something you have multiples of? Is it something you see yourself using? If it's not something you see yourself using right away, do you see yourself using it in the near future within the next four to six months? You know, those are the questions that I have to go through and ask them. And then I, you know, once you've gone through that process and there's a lot that's going on, you're sorting, you're purging, you're assigning, you're containing, you're evaluating, you're itemizing, and then you're, you know, you want to stage it. And I help my clients to stage the home after it's done. And sometimes they like to clean the home prior to me coming in. They'll get a professional cleaner or they'll, or the, them, they, I can't talk, will get it cleaned and then we can organize or, you know, we get through the organizing process first. And then if they want to hire a professional cleaner, then I refer them to professional cleaners that I know uh, just to kind of complete the whole, the whole house. So I feel like cleaning and organizing definitely go hand in hand. And that's why I'm going to talk a lot about cleaning too. So there's, there is a lot more that's involved. You can certainly get certified in it. There is a wide variety of different methods and styles of organizing that I try to use. I tried because when my, I have a certain way that I like to organize. And when I introduce that to my clients, if I see that it's not working, then it's time for me to introduce new styles and methods of organizing. And eventually I will find what works for them. The biggest reason I need them there is not, well, the biggest reason I need them there is to know what they want to keep and what they don't, but also because I want to set them up with their own personalized organizational system to help them stay and keep organized. That is very important. Unless they want to keep calling me you know, on and on forever and ever, which, Hey, I don't have a problem doing. I'll work with my clients as long as they want me to, but most of the time they just want to get a plan in place. They want me to give them the tools and direction and guidance to get them organized so they can stay organized. So then I'm creating a system for them. So again, there is a lot that's involved. Is it a real profession? Absolutely. Absolutely. 110%. Can you make a career out of it? Absolutely. I am. But it's a lot of, I mean, it's with anything you do, it's a lot of work. I mean, you're putting in a lot of time, a lot of energy. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. But, you know, this is something that I do truly love. It's something where I feel like I'm, this is what I was meant to do. And I truly, number one, most importantly, I love helping people. That's my number one goal. I want to better someone's living such situation so I can alleviate those really harsh feelings of, anxiety and stress, sometimes depression and, and, and really help relieve those, those feelings because of the living situation that they're in. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to talk a lot more about what a professional organizer is, what I do. And hopefully maybe one day in the future, I'll be able to bring on my clients. Um, I, I'm not super tech savvy. I'd have to do it virtually. 
um, <laughs> because we're still quarantining. So um, maybe I'll uh, get that set up in the near future because I would love for I would love for them to get on and talk about their journey and the process of being disorganized and the process that they went through with me and getting them organized just so they can talk about their journey and help anyone else out there who's listening that they're not alone if they're going through a similar situation of living with clutter and being disorganized. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you again for listening. Um, you know, before I let everyone go, I did want to say that I was uh, editing the first half of this episode before doing the second half. And I, I noticed that I was talking a lot in the uh, first part of this episode. <laughs> Obviously, I was very passionate about this article. Um, so I did speak with my husband and He's like, uh, yeah, I think I got the hang of this. You know, we're, we're new to doing this. I'm not an expert. I just started this podcast, so we're pretty amateur. And he's like, yeah, I think I got it. I think I got this down. I, I got a lot more than I want to say. So I'm like, great, let's let's do it. So he'll, he'll be on the first half of the episode on Thursday. We'll uh, finish up the article and he's going to put in, uh, he's got a lot more than he wants to say uh I guess in the, in the man perspective of it, um, which I think is awesome. So he'll be putting his two cents in a lot more on Thursday's episode. And, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're an open book. We're, we're going to talk a lot more and get more in depth with our relationship and some of the struggles that we went through in the beginning of our marriage, um, again, uh, are things, you know, perfect? Absolutely not. They never will be, but, um, you know, I think being a newly married couple and then also being new, well, we weren't newly, newly married, but being a newer married couple and then also being new parents, um, you know, it is difficult trying to navigate through that. So, uh, we definitely got through it and we compromised and we definitely have met in the middle and we're going to talk about how we got there. So, um, yeah, that should be interesting. So that will be after I bring up my mom fails and some really good tips to staying organized. We're going to jump right into that, finish up the article, and then um, I'll get into my next topic. So anyway, uh, that's it. I'm sorry if the audio was all over the place. I'm sorry if I was all over the place. We were just a hot mess today. And just a reminder, I have new episodes that are aired every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. I sincerely apologize that today um, I know that this is not going to get aired at 7. It'll probably be sometime after 8, so I do apologize about that. With my husband being on the episode and me having technical difficulties, it ran a little bit later. So anyway, I am your host, Danielle. Thank you so much again for listening, and we will talk to you on the next one. Take care, everyone.